Good morning. God bless you too. And so, we are now approaching the end of our series, Lies We Believe. And so, for the past three months, we've been looking at lies that are prevalent in our culture and that some of us may actually believe to be true. And what we've been doing, and we've been taking these lies, and looking at scripture to see why these statements are ultimately lies and how we should actually view whatever subject is at hand. And so this morning's lie goes something like this. I earn this money, so it's mine. And my prayer is that as we look into God's word, that our hearts would be transformed so that we can actually have a proper view of money, our possessions, the things that money affords us, and that we would actually realize that not only are we given an ability to earn money, but ultimately it is God who owns everything that we own. And so, we're going to do this by looking at a story that Jesus himself used to teach with possessions. And you'll find this story in Luke chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 12. And if you don't have a Bible, please raise your hands and we'll be glad to provide you with one. Does anyone need a Bible? All right. Ted, thank you. Anyone else? All right. So we'll be in Luke chapter 12. And I'll begin reading in verse 16. And the scripture says this. And he, Jesus told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Let me pray for us as we begin. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the fact 
that you have been rich towards us. And Lord, as we look at your word, may you allow us the privilege of understanding you and of responding to you in light of what you have provided to us. Your very word, your revelation. And it's in your name I pray for this clarity. Amen. First thing I want you to notice, look at verse 16. And it says this. As Jesus is telling them the parable, he starts off by saying that the land was plentiful. Right? It was the land that was bountiful. It was the land that was fertile. So, in other words, this rich man was ultimately benefiting from something that was completely outside of himself. It was the land that was plentiful, and thus, he is benefiting from that. Now, as I look around this room, all of us, every single one of us, have God-given talents, God-given abilities, God-given resources, and God-given opportunities. And so, by God's grace, through His provisions, we are able to have a certain amount of wealth. Now, you may have more or less money, more or less possession than the person sitting next to you, but all of us have these God-given abilities and resources. And so, the provisions that we have is ultimately because of someone that is completely not us. Something completely outside of ourselves is ultimately causing us to have the things we did. I had a very fascinating discussion this past Thursday. Um, a group of us were over at Chuck's house doing a study. And before the study started, for whatever reason, we started talking about the placenta. Placenta. It's got like a nice Spanish ring to it, right? The placenta. And I was fascinated by this discussion. So apparently when a woman gives birth, not only does the baby come out, but so does this thing called the placenta. Do you know what the placenta is? I did not. <laughs> so... And so I'm sitting there and they're like, oh yeah, so the woman literally grows another organ 
right? And as the fetus is developing, so is the placenta, right? And the placenta attaches the fetus, it's attached to the fetus to the umbilical cord, and so all the nutrients that the fetus needs goes and received, and the baby received this through the placenta. And all of the waste that the baby generates is transferred to the placenta. And so from inception, there's a provision made for the baby, right? And how foolish would it be for the baby to take credit for the placenta, right? For the baby to come out and be like, I'm here, check out my placenta, <laughs> right? pretty foolish, right? Uh, but here's the thing. Um, the placenta is not the only thing given to the baby. As this baby is being formed, this baby is given particular features. The baby is being given a brain that will eventually develop to allow for this baby to have particular set of skills and abilities. And how often do we forget the fact that we were once given the provision of a placenta that was completely outside of us before we were even aware of our existence fully, God was making provisions for us. And He did not stop there. So, whether it's the aptitude that you have that has allowed you the scholarship that you now have, or the mathematical skills that are now allowing you to make a living, the provisions that we have are ultimately because of something that is completely outside of us. And going back to the parable, it was the land that was bountiful. It was the land that was fertile, which the rich man providentially benefited from. And I'll be honest, this is not the perspective that I always have. Because when the accolade starts coming, when the compliment starts coming, when that summer heat is beating on my head as I'm working hard and doing the best that I can, it's very easy for me to take credit. I earned this money. I wrote that spoken word. I have the ability to speak English without an accent. It's very, very easy for me to take credit for something where credit is clearly not due to me. 
And so my prayer would be that all of us would first realize that we are able to earn money because God empowers us. It is not for us to take credit for ourselves, regardless of how much or how talented you are. It's ultimately because of a provision made by God. And the propensity that I have, and I'm assuming that all of you have, to take credit where credit is not due, it's not new. In fact, we see this in the book of Deuteronomy. Thousands of years ago, God chose a particular people called the Israelites to be his treasured possessions. And part of what God promised them is this land. And this land was plush. Water sources everywhere, from streams, from springs, from brooks. The land was so rich that if you dig in it, you can get copper out of it. And this land had bountiful varieties of foods and delicacies. And God promises them this land, and as these people that God chose to have this land, as they're about to enter this land, their leader at the time, who was Moses, tells them this in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Look at what Moses says, verse 17. He tells them, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. And so Moses is warning them, Listen, this land that you are about to inherit these things that you are about to receive, beware lest you take credit for yourself in the thinking that it was you and your wealth and your power that has gotten you these things. It is the Lord your God who empowers you. And that is the same with us. Regardless of our economic status, regardless of our capacities and abilities, it is ultimately and always because of a provision made by God that we are able to have the things that we do. Let's move on. So in verse 16, we see that it was the land that was bountiful. Now, as we read the next three verses, I want you to pay particular attention to the self-centeredness of this rich man as he is benefiting from a land that is bountiful. So, Luke 12, verse 17. And he, the rich man, thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. 
And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, before we criticize the self-centeredness of this rich man, let us first examine our own hearts to see how the selfishness in our hearts can relate to this rich man. Because frankly, in these United States, the whole idea of retirement is based on this. You earn your money. You save your money. You earn more money. You save more money. And then when your savings get to a certain level, you step it up a notch. You make that money make more money so that you have more money. And then you find ways and different places to store your money. And when you retire, you say, Soul, I have ample goods laid up for myself for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry, and travel, whatever. The rich man in this story is not the only culprit in this room. And seriously, at what point in our lives do we stop trusting God? At 65? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give everybody else who is under the age of 65 their daily bread. Right? And so what are we stressed and worried about to the point that we are so self-centered in regards to our finances? As if the Lord will no longer provide. Now, we ought to be prudent. We ought to be wise. And there is a level of planning that we ought to have towards our future. But there's a difference between preservation and glorification and gratifying ourselves and being self-centered about our finances. And it's also good to remember that what prompted Jesus to use this parable in this first place was a guy who came to him who wanted Jesus to arbitrate an inheritance that he wanted. She's like, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my inheritance. And Jesus uses that moment to tell us, listen, be aware and be on guard against 
all forms of covetousness, of wanting something that is not ours. And so we need to examine our hearts in regards to the greed that can often be there. What we're going to do now is take a look at how God responds to this attitude of self-centeredness that this rich man has. Look with me. Chapter 12, verse 20. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. If the primary focus of our lives is making money for ourselves and keeping money for ourselves, then we are just as foolish as this rich man. Because God tells them, um, your life, come here. Your time on earth is done. And what are you going to do with all that financial planning you are doing? I know one thing, it is not going to go with him. Either Jesus comes back in our lifetime or we die. This is a guaranteed reality that we cannot escape. And when that time comes, the amount of assets you have under your name, the amount of money we have in our bank accounts will be irrelevant to the state of our souls. And it was foolish for this rich man to be storing up things for himself because those things were incapable of doing the very things that he wanted them to. He cannot buy a single hour more than the time that is allotted to him. He cannot take his possessions with him where his soul will be spending the rest of his life. He cannot guarantee and secure his own future based on how much he has. 
It is foolish. In his book, The Treasured Principle, the author, Randy Alcorn, makes a very interesting observation regarding one of the kings of Egypt. And by the way, I highly recommend this book. It is a very short read, but very beneficial into understanding how we should view money. And he says this, Tutankhamen, the boy king, was only 17 when he died. He was buried with solid gold chariots and thousands of golden artifacts. His gold coffin was found within gold tombs, within gold tombs, within gold tombs. The burial site was filled with tons of gold. The Egyptians believed in an afterlife, one where they could take earthly treasures. But all the treasures intended for King Tut's eternal enjoyment stayed right where they were. Until Howard Carter discovered the burial chamber in 1922. They hadn't been touched for more than 3,000 years. Whatever attachments we may have to our possessions and the things we possess, let us realize that when we are gone, the people that are still here will know exactly where they are. <laughs> they will not be with you. They will remain. And how foolish it is to spend the momentary life we have here on earth storing up treasures for ourselves as if it's going to benefit us in the long run. That's a lot of gold. A whole lot of gold. But I don't see that king. He's somewhere. Not with his stuff. So let us detach ourselves from these temporary treasures that flees. We cannot take it with us. And it is foolish to store these things up for ourselves as if it's going to help us in the long run. As we draw to a close, let me remind you that we are all God's stewards. And so as we sit here today, God has a particular plan for our lives because God knows that our time here is oh so temporary. And he wants us to do the things that ultimately matter. To glorify him. And to receive life from him. True life. That can only be found in him. 
And part of that will require us to be detached from anything else that is not Him. And to allow for Him, who knows everything, who has our best interests in mind, to gracefully guide us towards the eternal path that He has set for us. So, first of all, if you're able to, would you please take your hand and just, just place it right here on your belly, just above your belly button. Yeah, right there. And let us be mindful that God once made the provision of a placenta for us. All right, just keep it right there. Just remember that. That God in His love and in His mercy and in His grace allowed for us to receive what we needed physically as the umbilical cord attached itself to the placenta as we were in our mother's wombs. Just keep it there. Remember that. And He continues to make provisions for us. He continues to love us and care for us. So let us remember the goodness of God. And let us refuse to take credit for ourselves. Regardless of how much or how little we think we have, God is good. And God has been gracious to us. And He has given us abilities, talents, this very breath that you just took, and on and on. We have ample reasons to be grateful. So let us rid ourselves of any sense of entitlement because it is ultimately because of Him. So let our lives be about Him. Now, for those of us who find ourselves in present needs, maybe life took an unexpected turn and now you're being drowned by the demands of hospital bills. Or maybe you just recently lost your job and you are wondering whether or not you'll have enough to eat. Please allow me to remind you of one of God's amazing creation. And it's called this. It's called the hummingbird. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a hummingbird, but they have these really short wings, and these things flap really fast. About 20 to 30 beats per second for a medium-sized bird, according to wikipedia.com. <laughs> and the small ones, and especially if they're excited, like if they're courting, this can go up to 100 beats per second. 
right? Fast. I'll take Wikipedia's word for it because I cannot count how fast those things go. The, the lens couldn't even capture it. Look how blurry it is. Now, in order for this bird to do that, it has to have an extremely high metabolism. Extremely high. For the energy that it takes for it to fly. To the point that with each hour, it literally faces the possibility of starving to death. Every hour of its life. And yet, our Heavenly Father feeds it. Day after day. Hour after hour. How much more valuable are you than this bird? My encouragement to you is to realize the love of our Father and how loving He is and how capable He is to provide for your needs. So may I encourage you not to be anxious about your life. Instead, Trust that God will provide. And as you seek Him first, seek His kingdom, seek His righteousness, everything that you need will be provided. I know it's hard. And I know the hardships of financial struggles can often blind us. And in those moments, just think of the hummingbird and realize that you are more valuable than the bird. Lastly, for those of us who are rich in this present age, don't be Conceited. Don't be haughty. Don't be cocky. Let your attitude be that of gratefulness and humility. And understand that God is allowing you the privilege of proclaiming his gospel in words and in deed. So don't set your hopes on the riches that you have that has been given and entrusted to you. Instead, be rich in good works. Be generous and be ready to share because there are ample needs that the Lord would graciously want to use you towards meeting. 
as the world gets to know of a loving and caring God through your generosity. So, the good life, the true life, is one that understands God's generosity and reflects that. And as we give, we become more and more Christ-like. And some of us may want to give, but frankly, we don't have the resources and the opportunity based on our financial situation. Be mindful that God is ultimately concerned about your heart, your sanctification, the posture of your heart. So you may not give or be able to give more money than someone sitting next to you. But God nevertheless wants you to be generous. And that generosity may look like 25 cents. That generosity may look like going in and helping someone who's in need. But don't be self-centered about your life. Be willing to give. And if you are able to give as well, use discernment. Because I'll be honest, I can be sitting down in my car... And then somebody comes up to me, knocks at my window, hey man, you got a dollar? Can I get a dollar? And here's what's going on in my mind. I'm hesitant, right? Not because I don't want to, you know, I want to hoard it all for myself. And not necessarily because um, I'm attached to this. But the first thought in my mind is this, and I'll be frank. You about to buy some crack with that, ain't you? Right? Or, or alcohol, Right? And so I immediately cast judgment upon that person who is asking me. Because frankly, there are those who will take that money and do something destructive. Or do something that does not glorify God. And so I need to have discernment. Because if this money is not mine, I need to account for it. Hensley, what did you do with that $20 that I allowed you to have? I gave it to that guy. And what did he do with it? I don't know. He bought crack with it. Right. Now, I'm not saying that every need will be that. However, use discernment. And even in your generosity, realize that it is God's money. So consequently, give towards those who are in need, but give it in a way that glorifies God. And there is absolutely nothing wrong in finding out more about this particular need that is being presented to you. And so, as I was walking down Mill Avenue... A gentleman comes up to me and he flatly asks, hey man, do you have a dollar? Do you have some money? How can I help you? Uh, I, I just need some money, man. If you don't have any, that's fine. 
I couldn't do nothing with that. So I kept going. I get to Subway. And I ask, are you hungry? He goes, yeah, I'm hungry. Do you mind if we have a meal together? I don't mind at all. So he goes, he grabs his wife. We're eating at Subway. Me and, me and Nathan are there. Him and his wife are there. Or girlfriend. Um, I think they were planning to get married. And for the next hour or so, we began to talk about his deepest need, which is Christ. And so, it would have been very easy for me to just shell out some money. All right, here you go. But the more I investigated his life, the more I was able to act appropriately. And at the time, it was best for me to offer him a meal, talk to him, counsel him, and promote the gospel as opposed to just shelling out cash. There are needs all around us. Use discernment, but let your attitude and let your heart be that of a generous person. That you are not saving this money for yourself, but you realize that God has given this to you. He's entrusting you with it, and the things that you do with it glorifies Him. Every purchase, every donation, every cent glorifies Him. And lastly, I would like for all of us to be fully aware of our present financial situation. Can we account for the dollars that God is entrusting us with? How much did we spend on groceries last month? What is the term of that student loan? Or that credit card statement? In this automated world, it is so easy to put a blind eye on our finances and let auto pay do everything. And as the bills come, we're like, oh, whatever, this goes here, this goes well without fully understanding where our money is actually being allocated. So let us be fully aware and be able to give an account to the finances and resources that God is entrusting us with. So I would encourage you, if you have not done so already, just sit down and be honest. What is my source of income? Where is my money going? Why am I doing these things? Why am I spending money here? Is this honoring God? Do I really need that much money in groceries each month? May we be accountable for every single cent that God entrusts us with. And let's praise God because He has been so gracious to us. The abilities that He's given us, the talents, the skills, the resources, 
but most importantly, His Son. Being fully aware of our deepest need, He freely gives us salvation by choosing to pay for it Himself. So that the sacrifice and death of Jesus is a generous offering that God gives each one of us to have life and life abundantly. For those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior, let us always be grateful for the cross. And in light of that, be willing to pick up our cross daily and to follow Him. To let go of everything and allow Him to be our Lord. Not our finances, not our possessions. Let Him be our ultimate pursuit. And for those of us who have yet trusted Christ, please know that nothing in this world will satisfy your soul. It does not matter how much money you have or how talented you are or how popular you are. There will come a point when you will have to stand before God. And in that moment, is His righteousness applied to you or are you living for yourself? If you want to seek riches and wealth, may you realize that nothing surpasses the value of knowing Christ Jesus as your Lord. And may you be willing to surrender not only your finances, but your very life to the God who loved you enough to give you a placenta. Loves you enough to give you the opportunity right now to respond to Him in complete surrender. Allowing Him to be your Lord. And allowing for the gift of salvation, the blood of Jesus Christ, to be applied in your life. After the sermon, I will be up here as well as some of the staff here at the church. And we would love to pray with you and encourage you towards following Christ. Please don't leave without gaining the greatest of all riches, Christ himself. And don't leave attaching yourself 
to something that is fleeting, such as the money and the possessions that we own. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that we would each respond to you with complete surrender. Thank you for allowing us to see the foolishness that it is to be self-centered towards our finances. And may we live each day being content whether we are rich or poor. And having a desire to follow you and honor you with all of our lives. In every aspect of it, including our finances. Stir in us your generosity. Allow us to see the needs that you are desiring for us to meet through our generosity. Knowing that it will ultimately be because of you. And knowing that the very things we have is because of you. I love you and I praise you for your provisions. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.